0: Welcome to Vaginas, Vulvas, and Vibrators with Jordan Donnell. This is a safe place to learn about women's health and sexual wellness. I'm your host, Jordan Donnell, Physician Assistant, Women's Sexual Health Educator, and Intimacy Coach. On today's episode we are talking about all the shit that happens to women during pregnancy and with new momhood that they don't tell us about and we are not prepared for. This episode is totally eye-opening and super relatable if you have had kids or are currently pregnant. Helps you get an idea of what to look what to anticipate going forward. It's also great if you don't have any kids and are maybe thinking about it and you are like, hmm, what can I maybe expect? They don't tell you about the hemorrhoids or the bleeding or the breastfeeding or anything. So this episode is awesome. I have a wonderful friend joining me to talk. So stay tuned to hear the rest of this episode.
1: Did you know that less than one third of women understand their reproductive hormones and how they work? But that's not you anymore. Period Power is going to teach you all about your hormones, how to work with your body rather than fighting your body, and really how to partner with your body to optimize your work, sex, dating, intimacy, literally everything. Period Power is something that I have been working on behind the scenes for a long time, and it has helped me step into partnership with my body and learn how to. Optimize my hormones to have a more energized, productive, happier life. And I want that for you. Join me in Period Power starting May. To learn more, go to periodpower.jordandonelle.com.
0: On today's episode, Dana McWilliams, a good friend of mine, is joining me to talk all about the shit that happens to you when you're pregnant and in momhood. She is a mama of two young girls, Josephine, who's two and a half, and Penelope, who is 12 months. She runs her own pure romance business from home and is a phenomenal, wonderful person. We go back years in our pure romance business. I originally met her oh gosh, probably almost 10 years ago, maybe maybe not that long ago. And we used to room at all of the conventions and had so much fun together. And I thought she was the perfect person to join me today for this conversation. So Dana, you want to go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: I am Dana McWilliam. I am from Minnesota. I stay at home with my two daughters, Penelope who is turning 12 months, oh my gosh, she's going to be a year, in a week or so. And then Josephine, who is two and a half, going to be three in December. Josie does go to daycare. My husband is laid off, and so he stays home with me, so helps me out a bit. But I work from home with them majority of the time, and I do pure romance, same as Jordan. And then that is kind of me, my family. Nope, it's not, haha, forgot to talk about my husband. (laughs) So my husband, Matt, is from Canada, and my husband, Matt, and I have been married for eight years this August, and that is just my family in a nutshell. I enjoy paddleboarding. I like being outside. This, as you can see, is the quietest place in my home, which is outside on our porch. So I spend a lot of time out here, and I just love hanging with my family
0: and friends. I love that. I can't believe your girls are so old because I feel like last time I saw you, you were pregnant with your oldest. Yep. Which is crazy. Yep,
2: it's crazy. They grow up so, so fast. I
0: wanted you to come talk with me today because I want to know more about what it's like to be pregnant and to be a mom. And as somebody who is not a mom, I don't really know like what I don't know when it comes to that. And there's so many things that they don't tell you to prepare for. And then they happen and you're like, oh yeah, didn't you know that that was gonna happen? So what was the number one thing that you were not prepared for when it came to momhood?
2: Honestly, I don't even know where to start. (laughs) There's so many things, but I would say one of the things, I'll do like a pregnancy one and then I'll do a mom one. And one of the things for pregnancy and kind of after pregnancy, so the first one is hemorrhoids because those things happen, right? And you're like, oh, cool. So that is now near my anus and very uncomfortable and it hurts a lot. So that is one big thing that I was so clueless about. And right after pregnancy that you pretty much wear diapers, For, oh gosh, weeks, I mean, you are wearing this like huge pad, these underwear type things, this big ice pad (laughs) in between your legs. Like it was crazy. I literally felt like I was just like walking around making so much noise with all the things that were inside of my underwear. (laughs) And then the other like mom thing. So those were kind of two like pregnancy after pregnancy. But another mom thing, I would say just how hard it is. I was actually a preschool teacher before I did pure romance for nine years and I majored in child development. So I felt like I had a pretty good base, but it is so hard and you forget everything, especially when you have a second, you forget it all again. It doesn't matter how close they are in age. Well, for me, they're a year and a half. I'm sure if, if they're Irish twins, you'd remember pretty quick, but I think that was something like I wasn't really expecting is just how hard it can be. And with my opinions and my husband's opinions, us trying to do things differently, that was challenging too.
0: I've heard that the bleeding is just atrocious after pregnancy. How long did that last for?
2: So I actually had an episiotomy and so I bled, I feel like probably longer most people but I specifically remember it lasting at least two weeks maybe into three I can't really remember that was with my first my second I didn't bleed as long but definitely enough time to feel very uncomfortable and continuously wearing that diaper ice pack thing the whole entire time because that's what made it feel okay right I had so many sprays I was putting on myself there's a little spray like water washer thing that you wash your vulva with after t- after you are have a baby and every single time you go to the bathroom, I mean it's crazy.
0: And then on top of that, the hemorrhoids, so like you're just totally uncomfortable. How do you go out in public after that?
2: So, I will say my first time being pregnant with Josie, I got hemorrhoids at the like very very end of it. And I think it's because I also gained a ton of weight with both girls. I gained about 50 with Josie and 57 with Penelope. So, you know, up there, right? And so I think there was just so much pressure, right? So I gained, I had them at the very end of that. So it didn't affect me a whole ton because I probably wasn't doing a whole lot as far as you remember. And I could still move, right? I could walk and all this stuff. Penelope? I physically had to lay down on the couch. I could not sit. I had a little donut if I was gonna sit that I would sit on. I had the preparation H cream, I had preparation H wipes, like it was bad. My husband had to like bring me everything to the couch. I remember one specific day I literally I couldn't get up and walk or move. It hurt it was that painful. And I technically didn't go out in public a whole time during the time, especially it was during COVID. And so being pregnant, I didn't do a whole ton in general. But I will say there were some times that I had to go somewhere and I you just feel like uncomfortable because you can feel it and it doesn't feel good and it hurts. Even if you have like the preparation H cream, it's helpful, but it doesn't make it completely go away right then and there, right? So you like walk awkwardly, I would say. And yeah, they're not fun. I was not prepared for those at all. What did sex look like after all of that? Oh, man. So first of all, I remember this, my most recent pregnancy with Penelope. My husband, I think, was like counting down the days till it was like the six week mark, right? And in my head, I'm like, there's no way this is going to happen, right? There's no way. So I remember it it was a long while after that six-week mark because it was painful still. I couldn't even imagine anything being inserted. So once that actually happened, it was very, very slow and very not sexy or romantic. It was a lot of like talking through, okay, no, 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 like switch positions or, you know, this hurts, like you can't do that. It wasn't great, (laughs) I will say. And to be honest, there are still times, I don't know if it's just because of after pregnancy or what, but there are still times that certain positions don't feel great. I had a little tear on my like left side inside the vagina and there are times when that specific area is painful still. And that's after almost a year after Penelope, right? And so it it all just kind of depends on the day, but it it wasn't sexy. It wasn't a beautiful experience after, or even like many months after.
0: Yeah. And I feel like that just doesn't sound comfortable at all. And they don't, they do not tell you like, oh, they're like, oh, six weeks. They do not tell you like, by the way, you're not going to feel the best. You're everything hurts. You could still be bleeding. You got hemorrhoids. So now do you really even want to go for the asshole? Because you're probably like, mm, yeah, that's out too now. So you're like stuck in a bind. Yeah. It's, and
2: especially like you said, like with hemorrhoids too, it's like awkward. You know, like there were times I'm like, uh, no, I mean, I got hemorrhoids. I can either shut my finger up there and try and push it back in and make it not noticeable or just, or just not have sex or something like, oh my gosh, it's so awkward. And I also feel like they don't tell you, hey, make sure you use a lubrication. Hey, make sure you have foreplay, like all that stuff that obviously as a pyramid consultant, I know That and I would never have sex without lubrication, but it's something that is so not talked about, you know. And so, I think sex after pregnancy is something that is so different for every single person. Like, my experience, I definitely did not hit the six week mark. I was like pushing, I mean, four or five months, you know, where until it felt okay, not even like, oh, super comfortable, okay. Right. Yeah. How was Matt with all
0: of that? Like, did he, was he very supportive or was he kind of like frustrated that he didn't prepare for this either? Matt
2: is literally the sweetest and best partner ever because he was just patient, you know, as he should be because it was my body not feeling comfortable and everything. He never you know, was like, Oh, my gosh, like, do you think? Do you think we can do it right now? Or like tonight or whatever? Yeah, he would maybe ask things like that. But if I was like, No, it's not feeling good. Or I don't know, there was no pushback, obviously. And he was just so patient and always, I think that was something when we first had sex a couple of times, it was something that he didn't want to hurt me more and didn't want it to feel uncomfortable. So it was like, does this feel okay? Is this too much? You know, and so that's why I was, I mean, I'm thankful for that, but kind of awkward and just that conversation going back and forth, right?
0: And I think that like for men, they're equally ill-prepared for pregnancy and postpartum as we are. I actually recently met a man on Clubhouse who runs a course for training men or partners of pregnant people, how to be supportive, how to deal with all of this stuff, because it's just as much of a change for them as it is for us. And they're equally
2: overwhelmed. Yeah, absolutely. And I think especially just with hormones and everything that are going on, and you have no control over anything. And I am very thankful. I did have a Pretty easy pregnancy both times, minus those hemorrhoids the second time. I did have a pretty easy postpartum kind of journey afterwards. But with Penelope, it was definitely more intense than with Josie. I remember there was like the littlest thing that Matt said, and I took it the wrong way, and I just started crying like in the car. And I was just like, uh, and he's like what is what is wrong what is wrong i'm like i don't know i don't know you didn't do anything wrong i just can't control it you know and i think that is something that he wasn't as prepared for especially cuz that didn't happen a lot the first time the only time i feel like that happened the first time was kind of like in secret to be honest <laughs> just because maybe i didn't feel comfortable doing it in front of other people my in laws were here for 10 days, like few days before we had Josie, and five days after. So I didn't have my own alone space. And so I remember breastfeeding and crying with Josie. And so it was just, I felt more open to do it with Matt the second time and felt like these are my emotions and these are what they are. I can't help it. And I'm just going to do them, right? Like they're going to come out. I think that was something he was not really expecting for sure.
0: Those emotions can be so crazy. And I know, like, I have a lot of friends who go through IVF, and the process of those medications can create, like, that hormonal roller coaster as well. And they don't prepare you for that in that world either. Because when I did my egg freezing, girl, let me tell you, I was just all over the place. Like, I tried to buy a dog, I tried to buy a $10,000 coaching program, I tried to buy everything under the sun, and then I was friendly. But I was very short and snippy and it was just crazy. I didn't anticipate, like, I thought I was going to cry all the time. I didn't really cry, but I had all these other emotions. So it, it makes it hard when you don't know what to expect.
2: Absolutely. It's insane. Just the whole thing in general is crazy. And then you add in hormones that you have no control over. Yeah. You brought up an episiotomy.
0: Do you want to tell us a little bit about what that is?
2: Yeah. So I am not a technical person. I don't know all the things, but all I know is there was a point when I had Penelope that her action. Oh my gosh, I'm getting the wrong baby. So (laughs) it was the first time it was my first pregnancy. You guys, seriously, sometimes like mom, mom brain just literally just happens all the time. And, forget which child it is too. So Josie, I had a episiotomy because her head was like stuck in my vaginal canal. And so my midwife was kind of giving me options as far as like, okay, we could get in the people who would kind of like vacuum her out or she could cut me like purposely cut me, which is aka an episiotomy, right, so that you don't tear so that the head could come out and so that Josie could be born. And so that's essentially what she they just did a a cut. I don't even know if Matt could look down there and see it. I'm not sure. I've never actually looked at myself. I should probably do that. Probably look at that. <laughs> but all I know is that they did that to prevent a tear that could have been way worse. Now my midwife typically doesn't do like episiotomies. They would prefer like if you're going to tear it to do a natural tear, but because of how Josie was like actually stuck in the vaginal canal, that is why they did the episiotomy. Okay. Do you remember how many stitches you had? I don't, to be honest. I feel like the reason I don't is because I did have an epidural because I had, that's a whole other story. Getting induced with pactosin, I like felt like I was physically dying, making non-human noises. And so I got an epidural and then I felt, oh my gosh, I, I didn't think I was wearing pants. It was great. I was just, I wasn't wearing pants. I thought I was wearing pants. Anyways, but I feel like it was like four. You wear pants? You can't see what I'm wearing below here. So who, you may never know. <laughs>
0: That's all right. I am always party on bottom.
2: So I'm pretty sure it was like four to five stitches, but I literally have no clue. And I didn't even really feel it because I had the epidural. And I think it was just like all the things, emotions going on. And didn't it honestly, I don't remember feeling it. I didn't have the epidural. I'm sure. That would not be a fun scenario. Oh, I'm sure it wouldn't. With your
0: birth plans. So I think this is probably something kind of interesting to talk about. How many times did your birth plan go as planned?
2: Pretty much like zero of it. Because I my, with Josie, I just assumed that your water breaks. And that did not happen. And I was a week and a half late with her and then had to get induced. Being induced was never a plan, even for Penelope, because being induced was not fun. It was horrible. And that's like a whole nother probably like hour and a half story I could tell you about both experiences being induced. But Josie's was definitely worse because I wanted to have the option to move around, to do different positions, breathing through that, all that stuff. I wanted to go natural if I was able to. But little did I know, getting induced with tocin sometimes can be very more intense or your contractions come on way more intensely than if you naturally go into labor. And so my contractions were probably literally like 10 seconds apart and they were absolutely excruciating. And I did the laughing gas. I did, and then I maybe that was the only thing I tried with Josie. And then there was a point that I was like... I, I need this epidural like ASAP. Get it to me right now. And it's so funny because with Josie, because my contractions were so painful, I didn't even feel the epidural go in. Like literally didn't even feel it because I would like my contractions were so, so painful. Now with Penelope, I went into that one. And I was like, heck yeah, my birth plan is for sure epidural. There is no way I'm going to try to do this on my own. And I don't care what anything else happens. I'm getting that epidural. The minute my contractions feel like a period cramp, that is what I wanted. Because I was like, I don't want to have to feel any pain. And that way, that epidural, putting it in my back, that thing hurt. I was like, oh shit, I do not remember it feeling like this. And so it's really funny just knowing those differences of what pain you're focusing on and then what pain you don't notice because the other pain is too much, (laughs) you know? Absolutely.
0: So as far as like, postpartum, what are some things that happened that surprised you or really caught you off guard? I would say
2: having my in-laws here, I know they were trying to be helpful. It was really, really hard with it being our first baby. We didn't get that time to just have me baby and Matt. And my husband's from Canada, right, and so they came from Canada, which I was so thankful for. but I would have loved to have like my first five days, just us, you know, or just something where it's just like it was great we came home and they had lunch for us or whatever, but they stayed with us for five days after and or maybe longer I can't remember, so that was really hard, not having my own space, and then also wearing a diaper pretty much, and like being uncomfortable in your own body after it all right and besides that for me specifically I after having Penelope after having a second baby I thought having one was hard I feel like for me going from one to two was like a fucking nightmare I was like what is going on Josie was like a super easy baby, chill, whatever. Penelope's first four months were like, hell, they were not fun. And so they're a year and a half apart. It it was just like, I think there are many combinations of things. And so we thought it would just be so nice and like easy and smooth, even with two, because we already had one. And then Penelope was just a very different baby. She's like a complete 180 now, which is, so thankful for, but she was a very hard baby compared to Josie, and yeah, I think not expecting how much help we needed, and I am the first to ask for help. I'll ask for help for anything and everything, and I do not feel guilty about it. I don't feel bad leaving my kids with someone else i like I literally I I'll ask for help for anything, and that is probably like my biggest takeaway if you have not asked for help and you are a new mom. A mom with a child who's 7 years old, 12 years old, doesn't matter. Literally asking for help has saved me. Yes, and your parents are
0: pretty involved too, aren't they?
2: Yeah, I'm very fortunate that my parents, sorry if you can hear my daughter, I'm very fortunate that my parents are actually able to watch both my girls, both our girls when we go somewhere or if Matt has softball, or if I have a party, things like that. I know Matt's parents would do the same, but they're in Canada right now. And yeah, honestly, without my parents, it would be 150 times harder. I'm so thankful for them. They have helped with so, so much. And I know not everyone has that support system. But even honestly, my mom group that I joined, that is something that I wasn't expecting after having a baby. I was super sad after Penelope because during COVID, they didn't have the same kind of opportunity. And so those mom groups was probably one of my absolute favorite things that I did. It was for new moms. It was by AMA. I, that might be a Midwest thing, but it was new mamas. And you got to just experience life together. At the same time as other moms, you have the similar age babies and all that stuff. So like you feel normal. You don't feel like that outcast where everything's on Facebook or Instagram and it looks like they have the, their whole world together and everything's picture perfect. And then here you are and you're like, what the fuck is happening? What am I doing? Are they sleeping well? Or am I feeding them right? Am I doing all this stuff? Right. And so those new mom groups, honestly, is something that I'm so thankful for. And we, I still get together, some of them. And Matt and I did a parenting group. After Josie was born and we still get together with them and it's that is something I absolutely love I love that and I think community is so
0: important and you can sit down and talk to them and be like hey This happened for me, you know, is this happening for you? Like i'm still bleeding what's going on or i'm dealing with this Emotionally, did you see this? Did you have that and just somebody else to talk to? To ask those things to otherwise it can be really lonely and scary
2: yeah, absolutely. And I and so I'm so thankful. And I also am fortunate to have many of my friends who have had kids before me. My I'm very close with some of my oldest brother's friends and stuff. And so I knew some of this stuff, right? But the the down and dirty I got to experience firsthand after having having my own. So it was nice to experience that together, especially afterwards being a new mom with other moms my age with similar age kids.
0: Yeah. Now, there's a handful of things I want to talk about postpartum. But the first thing is, did you breastfeed, bottle feed? What did you choose to do?
2: Yeah. So it's so funny, because I'm sure this is like so many people's experience where your first child, like I was, I'm going to breastfeed her until she is one years old. That was my mark. I was, I wanted to do it. And I did it, even though I stopped producing at 10 months because that's when I got pregnant with Penelope. My body just kind of stopped producing. And I also probably stopped pumping as much as I should because that shit is not fun as well. So pumping sucks. And with Penelope, I was like, cool, I'll breastfeed when I can and then I'll do formula. So I think I breastfed Penelope for five months, six months, and now she's full formula. And so they're both great babies, great kids, same difference, you know, and so I think it was just because I wanted to breastfeed. I don't know why I think it's just because of the stigma of breastfed is best or all that stuff, right. And so after I stopped producing, I had donor milk for the last two months of her before she was one. And so I found donor milk, which was I'm so thankful for. But my body just did not produce as much It'd be like, I'd pump and I'd be like, cool. So I just got One ounce, maybe out of each boob, and I pumped for 30 to 40. And that's just something that I'm thankful that I stopped pumping with Josie and didn't try to like make it work just because I thought that's what I had to do. So I was like, you know what? My body is just saying it's time, and I'm not going to just pump five days or five times a day to get five ounces, six ounces total. That's not even a feeding sometimes, you know. Yeah. And
0: I've had the last couple of years, probably about 10 or 12 plus friends that have kids and they all popped them out at the same time. And I was so surprised to hear how many of them had complications with breastfeeding and ended up not being able to breastfeed. Baby didn't latch. They didn't produce. There's so many different things that we're not told that this could happen. You might experience it And formula is just fine. They are still getting the nutrients that they need and they're doing, they're going to do just fine. And there's such this misconception out there that baby needs to be breastfed. Well, if it doesn't work, what are you going to do about
2: it? If it's not going to happen, you can't force
0: it to happen.
2: Right. And I feel like so many women feel bad about it. I love our pediatrician, but even he was like, oh, so you're breastfeeding, like just assumed, right? And it's like, but what if I wasn't? Or what if I couldn't? You know, I was thankful that I was able to breastfeed for as long as I could. And with Penelope, it's so funny, like thinking about Josie, I did anything and everything to increase milk supply. I was researching all that shit, like so much. I was on all the mom things, whatever. And Penelope, I was like, cool. So I'm going to breastfeed until I can't anymore. I'm not going to take any like of those, I'm not going to eat any of those breastfeeding brownie things or like take this breastfeeding tea thing or increase milk supply. Like I just wasn't gonna do it because I didn't want to, right? I knew breastfeeding was probably easier for me at times than pumping, but my thought process was, cool, I'm gonna breastfeed until I can't. I might pump a little bit, but I'm gonna go into formula because pumping was just something that I didn't I don't enjoy. It is not a fun thing but if you're going to pump and you haven't not if you have not heard of free me f-r-e-e-m-i-e free me cup they are like i somewhat enjoy pumping only because of that but i mostly don't enjoy it but if these little cups that go inside the broth you don't have so i could literally be pumping right now and you will not be able to tell except my boobs would kind of just look like a little madonna boobs but i could i've pumped in the airport with that because i like to walk around with my pump and so you don't have to sit and have your boobs out and have those little bottles just hanging and stuff. So free me cups are the way to go. If you are pumping, those saved me pumping. Otherwise I would not have pumped at all. I don't think. I
0: love that. That's such a good tip. There's so much more we could talk about when it comes to breastfeeding and breastfeeding in public and things. But I want to know after pregnancy, how was your body confidence? How did you feel about your body and the changes that your body went through? With all of this?
2: Yeah. So it's funny because when I was pregnant, even like my third trimester, and I was like, like I said, I gained 50 pounds in my first, 57 with my second. I was lar- pretty large. I weighed more than my husband, weighed more than both my brothers, more than my dad. And I was confident like crazy. It was crazy how confident I was as a pregnant woman, right? Now, after the fact, I think I was less confident with Josie, because another thing that they just assume and people just like think will happen is, oh, just breastfeed and all the weight will just come right off. And that was so not the case for me. I, when I was pregnant, when I got pregnant with Penelope at 10 months, when Josie was 10 months, I was not, I was nowhere near my pre-pregnancy weight right and i was breastfeeding the whole time so i'm like okay cool so like where are those pounds coming off right so i was not that person who two weeks later oh you can just button up your jeans or anything and so i think my confidence after penelope was different only cuz i ha- i knew i had to get back into like kind of shape and i was like motivated to do it because i was in a friend's wedding And I bought my wedding dress, my bridesmaid dress, you know, probably a size too small. And I had to fit into it within uh, three or four months. And so I was like, cool. All right. So I just kind of went into like my zone, not that I work out or anything ever. That's like the only four months I've worked out since she's been born. But I also like, don't care that much now. Like I, after both times, yes, I've tried like, The different things to be like, okay, I want to try to lose some weight. And yeah, I'd be lying if I wouldn't say right now, oh, I'm still trying to like, get back into certain clothes or feel more confident in my skin, right. But I think what happens now after having my second is, I now truly realize that even if I am smaller than I was before having Josie, which right now I currently am, and my clothes still don't fit. So your body changes so much, and so I think I really realized that it doesn't matter what clothes I had before, or anything like that. My body is so different and things just fall into place so differently after having kids that I'm just comfortable in, yeah, my my roll of my belly because it's now not tight at all. And cool, because I had two kids and I don't care. And my stretch marks, I haven't done anything after having both kids. I did some Pure Women's products during. I've done nothing after having Penelope to get rid of my stretch marks because they are there because I had a child. And I, I'm not self-conscious about them, you know? And so I think it was more when I had Josie and after that first pregnancy, I think it was just like the expectation of, oh, I'll go right back to my pre-baby weight And I actually didn't get a ton of stretch marks and they kind of went away and from Josie. And so I think I was just expecting to be back sooner with Josie. And I knew that wasn't the case with Penelope. So I was like, "Mm, I'm just going to take it as it is. It takes time if I get there at all. And my husband loves me no matter what my friends love me no matter what, like, I love me and my own skin. And so it just, I I didn't care as much this time, like knowing that my body just fits different in all the things, even though I may weigh less now than I did before babies at all, you know? Absolutely. And they don't tell you your hips
0: are going to get wider so that you have the birthing canal to vaginally deliver your baby if that's the way that you choose to give birth. They just don't tell you how your body physiologically changes. Your breasts are going to change because you're now producing milk or things like that. Like they just don't talk about it.
2: And it's so funny because I've never had boobs. So that's something that, gosh, when I was breastfeeding, I was like, Oh, mm, I'm so confident. I'm like, I've got cleavage. This shit is like, this is awesome. Right. And now that I'm not breastfeeding, it's literally like deflated balloons. I was just like, wah, wah. but you know what? It, it just, it doesn't matter. me because i didn't have them ever before i had them for a hot second and that was really cool and now they're not there and that's fine too because i don't know yeah i wish they were perkier sure but they are what they are
0: (laughs) absolutely and at the end of the day like your body is perfect the way that it is and the people that are meant to be in your life your body shape your body style should not at all be a part of the conversation or even matter to them, because if it does, they don't deserve to be in your life, in my opinion.
2: Absolutely. And I'm surrounded by so many positive people and uplifting and just the people in general that would never say something about my body before or after kids, right? And so I love that. And I'm so thankful that I have a community of people that, you know, are going to uplift me no matter what.
0: Yes, absolutely. I know that you surround yourself with a lot of good company and that's basically how we met is very many of our mutual friends. So this conversation has been so awesome. I'm loving learning all about this stuff that happens so that I can at least go into it prepared if I ever choose to have children. But If the listeners take one thing away from today's conversation, what would you hope that it is?
2: So maybe two things. One, it's okay if things don't go as expected because they're not going to. You're going to think that you have it all planned out and then it's all going to go to shit. And you're like, well, now where do we go? Right. And whether that's pre-baby, like during pregnancy, after pregnancy, literally every single step of the way the whole journey is so unexpected. And just give yourself grace and know that you're trying the best that you can. And same with your partner. That was something that Matt and I really, really wanted to make him feel like I wasn't trying to tell him, this is how I do it. This is how I like in my parenting class or my mama class, I was told, let them figure it out themselves. So if you have a partner and you just had a baby like You guys figure it out yourselves. Do it the way that you do it, right? It's okay if someone else does it differently, but it's okay if things don't go to plan. And then second thing I'll come back to, asking for help. Honestly, don't be afraid to ask for help. I know as women, oftentimes we struggle doing that. I'm the like random person who doesn't struggle doing that. I ask for help all the time, but maybe I've learned to do it. I don't know. And so I would hope that you Don't have to do it all on your own. You can ask for help. People want to help others and they want to make each other's lives easier. And that's just something I think, I'm so, so passionate about it because I see firsthand so many people that don't and how much harder they're making it on themselves just because they don't want to ask for help for anything, right, for any little thing. And it doesn't have to be a big thing. It's just like the smallest little things have someone clean your house. I have someone clean our house. Like literally we order food on Instacart, like all those little things can add up and it's so helpful. It is
0: so helpful. And as somebody who doesn't have kids, those little things are still helpful because it allows you to do have time to do things that you want and enjoy and not have to spend your time on things that don't bring you as much joy and that stress you out. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Dana, so much for chatting with me. Where can the
2: listeners find you at? Yay! Thank you so much for having me. So, Instagram, my handle is the Fanny Pack Mama, and on Facebook, I am Dana McWilliam. And I think that's I think that's all I got. <laughs> Beautiful.
0: This episode is sponsored by Pure Romance by Jordan Jones, offering top bath and beauty products and relationship enhancement items. Check out the link in the bio to start shopping today. By shopping, you are supporting this podcast. Thank you for joining today and continuing to bring awareness to women's health. If you love the show, please subscribe so you never miss another episode and leave a review for others to see. If you want to see me on the daily, you can check out my bio for links to all my pages. Be sure to share this episode with your girlfriends. Thanks again and see you next episode.